What is up, my dudes? It is Alec Lindstrom, former Boston College offensive lineman. You're listening to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. Go Eagles and go ACC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week one football games at last. How are you doing? You ready to go? I am. I was watching week zero, obviously, last weekend, and I'm still somehow in awe that we are at week one, and there's like a full slate of games this weekend. It still Mm -hmm. hasn't really hit me yet. Yeah, well, when we were like, you know, four days removed from a bunch of realignment talk and like... There's been so much nonsense that's happened basically since media days that it just like it doesn't even feel like it's time for the season yet. That yeah, I can see why you get that uh, that that sort of odd feeling of, of you know it's not quite right. It's not quite time yet. Yeah, and you know what? This off season kind of went by quick too. Like felt like you just kind of blinked, and all of a sudden we were at fall camp. And maybe it was because of the realignment talks and all that stuff. It felt like this summer more than most. Uh, we talk about college football being a year-round sport and how it's becoming a year-round sport with, you know, the signing day in the winter, and then there's another signing day in February, and then, you know, there's all this realignment stuff that's been happening over the last three summers. It really has felt like a fast off season, but it's still, at the you know, at the same time, very hard to believe that we're at week one. Hard to believe, but I, I don't know about you, but I, for one, am excited to have actual football games to, to talk about and to be back for the actual season here as we get in yeah. start previewing some games. We have a slate of 12 ACC games this week to start off the year. Uh, that is uh, about 10 out-of-conference games and then a couple of conference games even to kick us off. So we will start with that. Before we do that, Mike, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, new season. We've got a couple new ideas, new things that we're doing. So we wanted to hit the people up with that real quick before we start here. Uh, as a reminder, we are on YouTube at the ACC Football Podcast. If you have a Gmail account, any sort of Google account, go there, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell icon for more, uh, hit the like button, do all those things. We appreciate that for those who do. Part of the reason that you want to do that is that will help notify you when there are new videos. And this season, we are planning tentatively, we are men with children who have very unpredictable schedules that could change on a dime, but we are planning tentatively on doing recaps Saturday nights after games are over. So jump on, join us live Saturday nights, immediately in the aftermath of these games, have fun talking about the action that was and the day that was. Um, You will only be able to find out those things happening and be able to join us if you are subscribed to us on YouTube. So please go do that. Um, Obviously, drop a follow on on Twitter, on Instagram, all the other good places that we're on the social medias. Go do that. Mike, any notes there? You pretty much nailed it. I mean, we'll broadcast it on social media. We'll let you guys know when we're planning to do it, if we're jumping on. Sometimes we forget, though, and we just say, hey, we're live now. And Mm -hmm. that's just how this is going to work, because Joey and I have kids, and... You know, sometimes we don't know until the last minute whether or not we're recording that night. So, you know, Mm -hmm. just stay tuned. That's right. That's right. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out if I'm recording tonight or not. I guess we'll find out. Um, It did take us a while. It did take us a while to hit record, but here we are. It did. It did. Uh, For this week, 
Mike, week one, different schedule. Obviously, we start Thursday night. We go all the way through Monday night. Not just college football in general, but just with the ACC. We have games literally for five straight days, which is awesome, but also you know, requires a bit of a different approach. So in most weeks, we will do what is known as Saturday Night Fever around these parts. It will be, again, the post-game show on Saturday nights to recap all the games. This week, tentative plan is Sunday Night Fever which would be kind of on the right at the tail end of the LSU Florida State game that we'll preview here in a little while, but that'll be a Sunday night feature. So plan on tuning in. I, Monday's Labor Day, so we ain't going to work on that day. So no. you know, stay up with us Sunday night. Let's recap those games, and then we will do that from there. How's that sound? Works for me. Mike, you want to preview some games? Man, let's go. Let's do it. Okay, we're going to do these in – uh, chronological order, starting with the early games on Thursday, going through Friday, Saturday, and then a couple of games on Sunday and Monday. So we will start Thursday night, 7 o'clock uh, – sorry, 7.30. Good start. 7.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. The NC State Wolfpack on the road – on the road taking on UConn. Yes, NC State going up to uh, UConn. NC State is a 15-point favorite. Total is 47. Mike, I will use that point to call out one thing to begin with, is that you know that's kind of a low total. I've already noticed some, some trends here with the totals across the ACC, as well as maybe college football at large so far. New clock mm-hmm. rules this year. Be careful betting totals early on, because they are going to be lower than before, because clock rules are going to shorten these games a little bit, going to reduce the scoring a little bit. So be careful with that. I'll throw that out there. Yeah, for those of you who are unaware, the clock is no longer stopping on first downs until you're in the last two minutes of the first half or the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. So usually the clock would stop after a first down. The games would be longer. Not anymore. For some reason, we decided we're trying to get football done in like two and a half hours because, you know, reasons. So Because they do on Sundays. Right. They do on Sundays, and college football is becoming the NFL anyway. So <laughs> Might as well just steer right into it. Why not? Yeah. And, uh, you know, soon enough, we'll have to have two feet go down on catches along the sideline, too. So just keep an eye on that. Yeah. And there will be a salary cap. It's fine. Yes. That'll be good. That'll be good. It's like the minor leagues. Mike, I am. Yep. This is a big number for NC State. I'm a little bit. I realize that the, you know what the brand UConn says to me about the football team, but it's just a lot of points. And that was a team. I, I think UConn made a bowl game last year. Like they were decent. So don't don't just assume anything here. I would say. Yeah, UConn uh, under Jim Mora, everybody was wondering kind of why they made that hire, and then they were pretty competent last year. This does feel like a really big number. That was my first takeaway, right, was the total you mentioned. The total seemed low. In general, for a lot of these totals, I'm just going to stay off of them because I'm not really sure, you know, how this is going to work. The first few weeks, I think you brought up a very good point there. Yeah, UConn's competent. And not that NC State's not a better team. I think they are. That feels just like a huge spread to me. Uh 15 points uh, better than two touchdowns against a UConn team that was pretty good last year relative to what they've been. Uh, They're returning a lot on both sides of the ball. NC State's still trying to break in a new offense. Like I think that's going to look good eventually with Brent Armstrong, Robert and I, 
Is it going to look fantastic right away in game one on the road? I like UConn here to cover. Uh, I I feel pretty good about that pick. Not going to lock it up, but I think I'm going UConn here plus the 15. And I think NC State wins, but this is going to be a game that I think is going to be a bit more competitive than people expect. Uh, NC State, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for the offense to get their feet under them. Uh, and UConn, I think they're at a state right now in their program where they're not going to be totally overwhelmed by everybody they play anymore, right? That, that's kind of the state that they were in for a number of years. They hired Jim Mora, and instantly you just saw a competence level from a coaching standpoint that really they hadn't had in a while. And so they're just not going to be overwhelmed anymore, even if you know the talent difference is there. I just think they're well enough coached that, you know, they're going to stay competitive in, in some of these games with bigger spreads. So, yeah, give me UConn plus 15 here. UConn last year in a season when they, well, they finished 6-7, six and seven, but, of course, they were 6-6 six and six in the regular season. They played four Power 5 teams. They lost to Syracuse 48-14, to at Michigan 59 to nothing, at NC State 41-10, to and at home, they beat Boston College in late October. You know, Boston College team that had fallen apart a little bit, thirteen to three. This is not a high-powered UConn offense by any stretch. There were only like three games last year they scored thirty points at all against anybody at all. So, with that being said, I I, I do kind of like the under here, uh, forty-seven. Not a high total, but I think NC State's defense is going to be good enough to keep UConn off the board in any meaningful way. So I, I, I like the under, um, I, I also, I, I'm with you. I would not bet this with my own money. I am not locking this up at all. Um, but yeah, give me the under. And I, th- I think just lay in with NC state. I could see this being like a 28 to 10, you know, a pretty comfortable win for NC state without getting into, you know, any sort of high scoring numbers. So I guess I'll just lay them. I don't, again, Big number. Don't feel great about it. NC State, obviously, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback situation. A lot of turnover going on on that offense. So can't promise you what you're going to get there. But I think the defense will be good enough to keep UConn off the board in any significant way. And I think NC State can can kind of cruise here and, and get off to a good start. Better you than me, laying them. <laughs> I, well, yeah. I mean, I was rewarded for laying them with Notre Dame last week, uh, laying 20 and a half. I was not rewarded for landing with Vandy. So I, mean, I don't want to talk about Vandy. I don't want to talk about Vandy. I was not rewarded either. I am, uh, yeah, I'm still getting over that one. That might take a while. Yeah, I, I was pissed at Vandy, to be honest. <laughs> I, I thought I had a nice little parlay set up for me in the evening. It just didn't work out that way. Yep, yep, there you go. All right. NC State minus the 15 for me. Mike has UConn plus the 15. I'm taking under 47. I don't know, did we get a total pick from you, Mike? You Are you picking that? I'm good. Nice. Nice. I'm good. I'll I'll pass on the total. I think maybe the general, under. Maybe uh, under. I think, yeah, I think the general advice on this game altogether is just pass. Maybe yeah, if pass. you find a UConn team total that you like, maybe go under that. That would be maybe the play, if anything. Yeah, probably the best bet you're gonna get here. Also Thursday night, seven o'clock on the ACC Network, the Wake Forest Steam and Deeks hosting the Elon Phoenix. Is that right, Phoenix? I believe that's, that's correct. Uh, we don't have a spread on this. There's a, there's a handful of FCS games this weekend that we do not have spreads on. We record this the evening of Tuesday the 29th. We we don't get those spreads until, like, day of. So we're just not going to have them. 
this is not a game that I would be interested in trying to take the points with Elon. Uh, I, I, Elon, not a particularly high-functioning FCS team, to my knowledge. Um, I think Wake... I, I have questions and reservations about Wake this year and, and you know what this season will end up with. I do not have questions and reservations about them in this particular spot or this particular game. Um, so, yep. Yeah, no concerns with Wake here for me, personally. No, no, no concerns. I, I think one thing I'm going to be interested in and looking at in the early part of the season with Wake Forest is how number one Mitch Griffiths looks, but then number two, how they look up front defensively. Lost a lot of talent on defensive line to graduation. So probably one of the younger areas of their team. Yep. Um couple that I mean they yes, they lost Donovan Green, right, to injury. Yes, AT Perry graduated. Does it really matter who they roll out from a skill position standpoint at this point? I don't think it does. Like they're kind of personnel agnostic. The offense is going to hum. Like it's going to be solid. It's it's a matter of how they look defensively and breaking in a new quarterback. Like we've seen Mitch Griffiths in limited action. We saw him in the VMI game last year. Uh, it's clear that he's got some talent. What does he look like now in kind of the full time starting quarterback role for Wake? Expect it to be fine. There's not. We're not going to find out any of these answers necessarily against Elon, but what what I'm looking for early in the year is how quickly does Griffiths settle in, and then how does that defense look, especially up front. I will say, and I, you know, I, I mentioned that I, I don't know how good Elon is really. They finished eight and four last year. Their only game against FBS competition was a 42 to 31 loss to Vanderbilt. But that was in week one. I, that Vanderbilt team ended up being pretty solid by the end of the year, but I don't think they were really in good shape to start the year. So I, I don't know how much you can say. Again, I don't think they're going to threaten Wake Forest here. As you mentioned, Mike, I mean, first start for Mitch Griffiths, a bit of a new set of, of skill position weapons around him, kind of see how that works all out. Um, but ultimately, I, I expect that Wake is cruising here. I, I do not foresee any sort of uh, any sort of struggles here on Thursday night. Right with you yep that wraps it up for thursday night let's move to friday mm -hmm. friday night seven o'clock on the acc network miami on the road taking on miami and that would be the red hawks of miami ohio in south florida taking on the miami hurricanes the hurricanes a 17 and a half point favorite in a game where the total is 46 uh mike do we trust miami in this spot for those of you watching on YouTube, nope. Why am I laying 17 and a half with the Hurricanes in the first game of the year? We don't know what they're going to do offensively with Tyler Van Dyke. Like, is he going to be fully healthy? Is he going to be better than he was last year when he was on the field? Bro, we got so many questions that are left to be answered. Miami, Ohio, competent enough. 17 and a half is a t 17 and a half is a ton of points, a yes. ton of points in an opener. Uh, no, no, I, I don't think Miami, Ohio is 17 and a half points worse than the Hurricanes in game one of the season. I'm, I'm good on that. Uh, give me the Red Hawks here, plus a 17 and a half. Hurricanes win probably by a couple scores. 17 and a half is a lot of points. Not laying them. I, no way. I completely. No way. I completely understand the argument, right? A lot of points, you know, outside of two touchdowns. What have we seen from the Hurricanes in the last couple of years that really make us believe this? 
counterpoint, if like this, this is an important year for Miami. Can we agree on that? Like big deal for Miami this year. Yes. But for the, for yes. the Canes, the Canes. Yes. I have to keep using mascots here. Importantly, to you know, <laughs> just distinguish who we're talking about. I could see the Hurricanes rolling it up on the Red Hawks here, just for the sake hmm. of we have to have a good year. Going to try to make a statement early. Going to try to you know get the momentum going. That kind of thing. We are. I got to look and triple check the schedule. I think is it next week that Miami that that the Canes are taking on Texas A&M? Like, is this a bit of a tune-up game for them? It is. Yeah, next week they take on A&M. Uh, they're hosting Texas A&M. So, tune-up spot. Call it that. Um, the Red Hawks, I mean, I guess you could say competent, you know, decent, solid, but kind of, I don't know, kind of uninspired by them personally. I'm... Again, big number, don't like it, wouldn't bet it myself, but with the way that we do this podcast, got to make a pick. I think I'm going to lay them with Miami and just think that they they run it up here and try to, again, make a statement, get some momentum going. They're going to try to fire up the crowd, do that whole thing in South like South Florida. I, I think they're going to try that. But, again, I, I if you hear the tone of my voice right now, it's not that of confidence. Like, it's... I, I have no idea. Uh, I, I again, huge number. I don't know that we can trust the Hurricanes just just yet. It's more trying to foresee the vibes of what we're going to see on Friday. Is my my best uh, my best assessment here? <laughs> For the second time in the last five minutes, better you than me betting that huge spread. <laughs> this is this is kind of what it is. And I, and I was looking at some numbers earlier for the whole the whole of college football. You know, FBS spreads coming to this week man there are a lot of like 17 20 plus point spreads this week and i would just recommend that you are very very careful with where you are laying that many points because the back door is going to be open a lot this week and i'll say that Yeah, I'll, I'm going to leave that alone. I think that that statement. You, you, don't, you don't want to talk uh, about the backdoor being open, Mike. I, I'm going to leave that alone. What I will say is that in a world where I love to bet a lot of college football games, like book, uh, there are a lot of spreads I really do not like this weekend. Just looking at the ACC mm -hmm. period, like there's not a lot of games I don't. I think I'm going to be betting in the ACC, and. You kind of look across the country, and like you mentioned, Joey, a lot of these 14 to 17 point spreads. I'm like, yep, I think I'm going to take my money elsewhere or just kind of sit on my hands. Uh, famous last words, because I will be placing some bets this weekend. Uh, college football is like really back after all, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be spraying the board with like seven, eight, or nine bets in. I don't, I don't see the value yet. Maybe I'll find a few games that I like, but having trouble identifying those at this point. Just make sure you have that same energy at about two o'clock on Saturday, Mike. When uh, you tell me right now you're not going to be spraying the board, and then I, I look forward to some of the like absolute degenerate nonsense that is being texted to me midday on Saturday. Because I know you, Mike. It's coming. I know. I, know. I think. I think the uh, we may have more live bets in the future than than <laughs> pregame bets potentially. Which I'm not telling you that's a safer option all the time. I'm telling you, it might be a safer option this weekend. 
Uh, this is not a gambling. This number one good. Re- no gambling advice here, though. I just want to keep that in mind. Two points about that. Number one, good yes. reason to follow us on Twitter if there are uh, you know any live things that you know come out that we just uh, want to drop some knowledge on midday Saturday. A, B. Uh, at some point, we got to talk about some show bets that might be coming down the pipe, but we uh, we don't have to do that yes. right this moment. We'll we'll get there at some point. Yep. Also on Friday, uh, arguably you know the main event for Friday for this podcast purposes. 7.30 p.m. on ESPN from the Big Body Benz Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. The Louisville Cardinals on the road, taking on my – on the road, neutral site, whatever, taking on my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Louisville a 7.5-point favorite in this game. Total is 49.5. Mike, I have um, tried to quietly and noncommittally talk – big game about this game for, for Georgia Tech in the last like month or so. I see this number of, of Louisville favored by more than a touchdown. And I am I am tempted to take the points with Georgia Tech here. Mostly on the thought that I, I think that Georgia Tech is going to be better than people think. And there are enough questions about Louisville and what they will be. And we've talked about, you know, what will Louisville be week one, week two versus you know week ten, week eleven? There are there are enough of these questions here that I think I think I'm not gonna again not gonna bet it with my own money, not gonna lock it up. I think I'm gonna take Georgia Tech plus the seven and a half and think that they at least keep this close. I think there's a non-zero chance they win this game on the field. Um, I, I think they are capable of that again with potentially combined with some of the questions about Louisville. I like Georgia Tech plus the seven and a half. Uh, I think Louisville wins the game. I am of the mindset, and we've Is been hammering this point home. Uh, no, no, God, no, <laughs> no, not not yet. Uh, I've been of the mindset this entire offseason that I think Louisville is a team that I think a lot of. Uh, people in college football media are expecting to have a big year. But I think it's going to be misconstrued a little bit. The reason why I think Louisville is going to have a big year is because their schedule sucks, not because they're like boatloads better with Jeff Brom. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe we'll talk about this in a month and I'll feel differently after seeing them play a few games. But this is one of those games that Louisville really should win, right? They're, I, they're more, I, th- I do think they're more talented than Georgia Tech. I do think mm-hmm. that. This is a situation where, you know, it's kind of, it is a home game for Georgia Tech, right? I know it's, it's at the Benz, right? But it's in Atlanta, right? It's what, a mile and a half from Georgia Tech's campus, Joey? Like, what's Not the official yardage like on that? A mile yeah. and a quarter or something? Yeah. Walk I mean, from th- campus? Yeah. Like, this is a home, this is a home game for Georgia Tech. I do think Louisville will travel decently to this game, though. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it'll be interesting there um, from that standpoint. But, there are a lot of unknowns, right? There's the Brent Key factor uh, in year one. This is really year one. I mean, he was interim last year. This is really year one, his program. There's the fact that Brom is taking over. It, it's basically just a battle of first-year head coaches. It's really what mm-hmm. it is. Uh, there's the intrigue with Georgia Tech, right, because they looked so much better under Key last year once he took over. There was a competence to them that there, that obviously wasn't present under Collins and his staff. Right. And the question now moving forward is, is that because 
of what we saw, right? Was it just simply the fact that Georgia Tech was so poorly coached under Collins, this team wasn't nearly as bad as we all thought? Or is this a situation where, like, the team that Georgia Tech had last year just rallied around the head coach, pulled off a few wins down the stretch, um, and really just had something to play for, whether, you know, and then looking at Collins, it really just kind of was like a lost cause. You know, it's mm-hmm. tough to get up to play for that guy because you know he's dead man walking. Uh, there's a lot of question marks here. I think Louisville's a better team. I think they win the game. I think seven and a half is a lot of points because I am not 100% sold that Jack Plummer is just going to come in. I understand he's got the the history with Brom at Louisville. He understands the system. I get all that. Jack Plummer was very good for Cal last year. But I don't think Jack Plummer is this like outstanding quarterback that's just going to throw all over Georgia Tech and they're just going to run away in this football game. I just don't see it. I think Georgia Tech will be competent in this game. I am really interested to see how Haynes King performs because I hated that move from Brent Key. Like, I haven't seen anything from Haynes King in his college career to make me think that he's going to be like a good quarterback at this stage. This is going to be a very interesting game from that standpoint because I think if Georgia Tech wins, I think the narrative is really going to change around the program to being like, okay, this is one of those games where, you know, on paper, kind of 50-50 game or a game that you lean losing, right? And if they pull off this win and Haynes King plays well, I think the whole, okay, Brent Key kind of knows what he's doing gains a little bit more steam, right? So mm-hmm. it's an important game for Georgia Tech. I think they keep it competitive. I'm just going to go with Louisville because I think they're more talented. But Georgia Tech plus a 7.5 I think is the right play. I actually like the under here too, 49.5. Seems like a lot of yeah. points for, you know, new quarterback at Georgia Tech, new quarterback at Louisville, um, two new offense, like full, full year, two new offensive schemes. That just seems like a lot of points. Uh, two I think competent defenses on paper coming into the year I feel that's the most confident I feel going into this game actually to be honest with you is the under 49 and a half uh but I'm not locking anything up from this I, I think I agree I like the under here um I, I I think probably the the best like known quantity unit in this game weirdly might be the Georgia Tech defense thousand percent like I think everything else is much more of a question mark. You know, both units for Louisville and the offense for Georgia Tech, I think, are are bigger question marks than that. Um, and I think at that point, you can probably limit the scoring a little bit. You if, you you assume that a Jeff Brom team is going to be you know scoring points and doing all this stuff. But again, what can they do in in week one, first time under you know seeing live bullets, the whole thing? You mentioned, yep. the, I mean, the Jack Plummer thing. I was going to say something. I don't know that Jeff Jeff Brom ever picked Jack Plummer as the starter, even back in his days at, at Purdue. That's not true. He did. It was just like so underwhelming for me that like, I had like blocked that out from my brain. He did. So you know, I mean, it's. I'm sure that's fine. It's not terrible, but not particularly good either. Um, I yeah. One thing we should probably call out too, and you you mentioned this or kind of alluded to it after we did the Georgia Tech preview, and we we suggested, and I think Kelly Quinlan told us he was expecting that Zach Pyron would be the, the starting quarterback. One of the few things we found out was, of course, that. Haynes King was named the starting quarterback uh, by Brent Key there uh, in the last, I don't know, a couple weeks, something like that. 
Um, so he'll take over, at least for this game. There has not been a lot of commitment on you know the whole season versus just this game, but you know we'll we'll see what this ends up looking like. I'm with you. Give me the points with Georgia Tech. I I think Louisville maybe wins close, uh, but I I would not rule out a Georgia Tech win at all. And by the way, if if you're looking at the the win totals here, and you think Georgia Tech wins this game, I would highly recommend researching over four and a half wins for Georgia Tech because yeah. winning this game is a huge difference maker for that team in terms of getting to their win total. So for it what puts you in, put, yeah, it puts you in position for the over for sure. Looking at their schedule. Yep. Mike, ready to move on? Yep. Before history is written, Bobby Orr, behind the net, the it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Because we should probably remind the people that this preview and all the previews that we do brought to you by Section103.com, the Internet's premier place for all things wonderful, wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. They have T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, things for men, women, children, something for the whole family. They've got things with you know not only cotton, but they've also got some performance wear. I'm wearing mine right now. Uh, it's helping to keep me cool. It's been like 100 degrees for two straight months here in Texas, and the Section 103 wear is keeping me cool. It's got uh, officially licensed word marks and, and logos. Uh, everything is really great from Section103.com. They've got some new stuff that came out in the last couple weeks, uh, a shirt with a logo called you know for the Institute. Uh, that's I thought that one was pretty sweet. They've got a Georgia Tech football shirt that just came out as well. Uh, and as mentioned, they've also got some NIL wear for uh, starting running back Dante Smith and uh, decidedly backup quarterback Zach Pyron as well. <laughs> so if you want to support NIL efforts you know, and, and wear jerseys supporting your favorite players on the team, they've got those. And they say, they've said there's more to come. So keep it tuned there. Uh, the, the Junior's Grill shirt, some of the, some of the hoodies. I, I love it. This is like the, by far the best collection of, of Georgia Tech wear for Georgia Tech fans. Go find it all at section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. I love mine. You'll love yours. Please go find them there. Shout out to Steven and the gang. Great partners. We've really enjoyed our partnership. Looking forward to keeping it going this season. Yep. Mike, should we move on to Saturday? Let's do it. Let's talk about what I, I guess we'll call the headliner. Really, kind of got two headliners. We'll start with the early one. At noon on ABC, our Virginia Cavaliers, Mike, on the road, technically on the road, technically a neutral site, but, I mean, Nashville's on the road. They're taking on the number 12 Tennessee Volunteers. Virginia is a, a mere 28-point underdog in this game. Uh, total is 57 and a half. Mike, 28 is a hell of a lot of points. And yet, I kind of feel like I might need to press a button here. Oh, Joey, 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 Joey. Are you going to try I to told press you, first? I told you to lay off a big spreads, didn't I? You told me that. Tennessee, lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. All right, better late than never, board. Um, there it is. Uh, Scott's got the ad on that. Uh, <laughs> shout out producer scott shout out producer scott yep uh joey the, the reason why i'm i'm betting tennessee here is because josh heupel it, the, the one thing that josh heupel and his offenses know how to do is score a lot of points 
quickly. Qu- like quickly. And Joe Milton is their starting quarterback, Joey. And Joe Milton's got a cannon. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes gets him into trouble. Right? Plays against the wrong defense. Because he's got a cannon, thinks he can make some throws into windows that aren't necessarily there. Virginia is not the defense that's going to expose those flaws. Mm-mm. They're just not. Uh, I really struggle to see how UVA stops Tennessee's offense. And I struggle to see how UVA's offense had lost their top four receivers somehow is going and and you know brought in an fcs quarterback who was in a quarterback battle throughout fall camp right it wasn't a foregone conclusion that he was going to be the starter i struggle to see how that offense is going to keep up with tennessee this could get ugly Mm -hmm. i think for uva here i think this is a name your score type of game for tennessee you know could it be a backdoor cover situation, call off the dogs, you're up 35 points, and some weird stuff happens in the fourth quarter and UVA actually covers? Maybe. I wouldn't bet on it, though. Uh, I actually, I'm in the state of Virginia, so I can't tell you what I'll be doing. Joey, you may have to place a bet for me on this game. So, <laughs> I think it might have to happen. I don't know if I can announce that on the podcast, but that's... Uh, so it's going to have to happen, I think. I, I really like Tennessee here. I just don't see how UVA keeps up, and I don't see how they slow Tennessee down. I'm I'm with you. Uh, I, I mean, you mentioned this Tennessee offense. I mean, not only high-powered, high they score a lot, but, like, they score quickly in bunches. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't take a lot. They could be covering this by halftime. Yeah. And, and some of this is, like, you know, I think Tennessee is pretty good. Some of this is, I think Virginia is pretty bad. Like, yeah, like and really I've, bad. I've made no bones about that. Like, I know we've got some Virginia listeners, and I, I, I swear I'm not just trying to dump on your team, but based on the things that I saw in the ten games they got to play last year, based on some of the roster changes that have happened between last year and this year, based I, on what Justin Ferber told us in the preview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> when you've got somebody who is dedicated to that team and is trying to gas them up as much as possible, and comes up with like three and nine as record prediction. It's not encouraging. Um, by all that logic, 28 is a lot of points. I, I don't know that Virginia is going to be able to keep up with Tennessee for 20 minutes, much less 60 here. Like, I think this game is over by halftime. And honestly, if you're a Virginia fan and you're listening to this and you're, like, shocked to hear me say that, I, help me understand where you're coming from. Because, like, <laughs> I don't think this is a surprising thing for anyone to hear at this point. This isn't just a UVA is going to be really bad this year take on this particular game. It's just a really, really bad matchup for Virginia. Terrible matchup. It's a terrible matchup. They're replacing so much on offense. They have question marks on their defense going up against an offense that, yes, does not have Hendon Hooker. But Joe Milton played at the end of last year when Hendon Hooker blew his knee out. And Joe Milton's got veter- he's a veteran starter at the FBS level. He played at Michigan. He has started at Tennessee before, by the way, before Hendon Hooker. Uh, some of you will, will remember. Pepperidge Farms remembers. Like a couple years ago, right? Hendon Hooker was not the starter. Remember when Tennessee went on that run and they won all those games um, and, and kind of went on that tear two seasons ago? Um, Hendon Hooker 
was not starting that game against Pittsburgh, you'll remember, Joey. Remember that game, Pitt won, and we were like, man, you know, that game might have ended up a little bit differently for Tennessee if they maybe started Hendon Hooker instead of Joe Milton because of how well Hendon Hooker played after that. Yeah, Milton has played in this offense for a few years. Um, Even though he was backing up Hooker last year, got some starts at the end of the year, Tennessee's returning that, yes, they don't have Jalen Hyatt anymore. I get that. But they return plenty of skill position players on offense. Milton's an experienced starter. Hypel gets his teams to score a lot of points really fast. He's done it everywhere he's been. This is a terrible matchup for UVA. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they keep up. I don't know how they keep this within four scores. This could be really, really ugly. I, I don't know what else to say here. This is I, definitively. Like I would be shocked if UVA covered the spread here. It would be shocking to me outside of a backdoor cover situation. It would be shocking if they kept this within four scores. Yeah, if we come on here Sunday night doing Sunday Night Fever, tune in on YouTube or uh, you know other social media outlets. If we Plug. come on here and, and we're trying to explain how Virginia kept this to a 24-point game, I, I'm curious to know what that story will be. Because like you said, yeah. I mean... Maybe there's some questions about Joe Milton, Tennessee quarterback, who apparently only throws 103 mile an hour fastballs, regardless of where his receiver is. Um, you know, he will put a hole through somebody with his right arm, like he'll just do it. Um, far from a finished product. Maybe there's something there. Maybe Virginia is able to exploit something in a Tennessee defense. I, I don't know. I'm grasping at straws here. So yeah, if if they cover this game, I, I will also be surprised at the very least. I don't know what the story will be. We'll have to find out. Yep. I should probably mention, um, yeah, Tennessee, lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Double barrel. That's my boy, the soundboard. Yeah, double barrel right there. Uh, Total, by the way, was 57 and a half um, over, I guess. 49 to 10. You think UVA scoring 10? Yeah, yeah. Th- second okay. half, fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go, I'll, I'll go over too. They're not getting shut out. Virginia's not. Tennessee's not that good on defense, and they don't care that much on defense. Like, yeah, Virginia will get some points on the board for sure. Okay, over fifty-seven and a half. Not by much. This could be like fifty-two unless, to seven. Would fifty-two to seventeen shock you? Unless, unless Tennessee got there by themselves. <laughs> Yeah, right. I, like, I think Tennessee can get most of the way there. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe that's disrespectful to UVA's defense, but I think Tennessee yeah. could get most of the way there if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take the over. Yeah. Let's move on. The other main event, Saturday, 7.30 on ABC, the main event of the uh, the day. The number 21 North Carolina Tar Heels taking on the South Carolina Gamecocks, Battle of the Carolinas. North Carolina, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This game is in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. So this is one of those, you know, it's a it's a game that North Carolina is not playing in Chapel Hill, but it's still in the state of North Carolina. Keep that in mind. Yep. I'm a little bit spooked by this number, Mike. I, I'm a little bit not sure what to do with it. Um, I realize that North Carolina is the ranked team. South Carolina seemed like very kind of uneven last year, like some pretty up, yeah. pretty down and a team that is very capable of winning any given game, especially if North Carolina does not play their best game. Do you have a good sense of what to do here? No, this, this is tough. Um, this is tough because I think 
the question here, really, it, you know, I think you have two offenses. They'll certainly score. I think if you're uh, leaning one way or another here, I think the confidence would be probably with North Carolina's offense over South Carolina's offense in a shootout-type situation. But then I kind of yeah, flip back. R- r- remind the people, this is a game with North Carolina's offense and North Carolina's defense. So there's going to be a lot of points scored. Let's just be yes, clear about that. right. <laughs> right. Uh, by the way, last year, uh, you were profitable if you bet North Carolina overs for an entire <laughs> season. You were profitable. So I just want you want everybody to keep that in mind because I have a feeling that could trend in the similar direction this year. So if that's something you're interested in, if you're interested in making money betting on college football, I think overs on North Carolina games are a pretty good play. The question here is about the defenses. Like, my confidence, I think, over four quarters is that North Carolina in a shootout could probably get the better of South Carolina, all things being equal. Might defensively, Spencer Rattler situation. Defensively, <laughs> can South Carolina get a few stops? South Carolina? South Carolina get a few stops. <laughs> okay. Keep going. I- because if South Carolina gets a few stops in this game against North Carolina's offense, I think they win this thing outright for sure. Okay, um, I see what you're saying. I agree. I think they win this game for sure. I I have more confidence in North Carolina's offense than South Carolina's offense. I have more confidence in South Carolina's defense than North Carolina's defense. North Carolina has given us no reason to trust their defense the entire time that Mac Brown has been there. Like when when is it? Their defense has not been good. It it's been years. Jay Bateman's schemes weren't good. Gene Chizik hasn't been able to figure it out either. Mm-mm. By the way, this whole thing, too, about Carolina's offense, just like figuring it out, we're just assuming that they're going to score a ton of points. Oh, real quick, uh, they switched offensive coordinators in the offseason. Mm-hmm. I think that might matter in game one, too, right? Not to say that Carolina is not going to score a bunch of points. I just mentioned that I do trust their offense a little bit more in South Carolina. It's just because I think they have the better quarterback, right? And I think they'd they'd figure it out in a shootout. Yeah. But it might not get to a shootout, right? I think the mm-hmm. the conventional wisdom is and I've been kind of reading previews for this game this week. The conventional wisdom is that this is going to be a shootout and it's going to be whoever has the ball in the last possession. For some reason, I think it could be higher scoring, but I don't think it's going to be this like running gun shootout whoever has the ball last wins. I don't think it's going to be that way. I just don't. I don't think the certainty with North Carolina's offense is necessarily there to make that happen. And I also don't think South Carolina's offense with Spencer Rattler is, is going to be this like juggernaut either. So I am leaning South Carolina in this game because I do trust their defense a little bit more. Uh, that is my lean plus the two and a half. Uh, you're getting value there. The line is spooky, which is why I'm leaning South Carolina. Uh and it really just comes down to the fact that I North Carolina's defense has not given me any reason to trust it for no. a number of years. And there's uncertainty about Carolina's offense with the offensive coordinator. And I don't think it's going to get into a shootout. Like, I don't. I think if South Carolina gets a few stops, I think they could win this football game. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking at this number... And some of what I keep thinking of is I feel like there's been games in recent years, and I don't remember specific examples, but I know this has happened where it's like you've got kind of a low-ranked ACC team 
against an uh, unranked SEC team, and the SEC team just ends up pulling it out. And yeah. I, I feel like this could just be another example of that, where you know, top-to-bottom roster quality is actually a little bit better for South Carolina – they're going to lose a bunch of games this year because they play in the SEC East and they, you know, their week to week schedule is a little bit tougher and you know, a little bit different. I, I, I agree with what you're saying about South Carolina's offense is a little bit clunkier right now than North Carolina's has been, but also North Carolina new scheme, new offensive coordinator, uh, you know, some some change over there. Who's to say? Um, all that's partially to say week one game. Be careful how many assumptions we're making on any of these teams. Yep. Um, a lot of teams get you know get way better from week one to week two, but I think if I'm getting two and a half points with South Carolina, they're they're the underdog. I think I just take them. I, yeah. I, again, I don't want to lock it up. I don't feel that confident about it, but I I somehow I just see this game working out in South Carolina's favor. Not not because I want it to, but. We've just seen this type of game and this type of pattern in previous years with these types of teams. And um, specifically defensively, I think South Carolina is significantly better than North Carolina. I think that probably makes the difference here. Yeah, and I struggle to fit, like, Mac Brown. Is this year five? Year five, yep. I'm struggling to remember a signature win. Ooh, that's interesting. Best win of Mac Brown round two. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know. Has there been like an NC State game that was like a? I mean, an I'm sure win, but like, have they have I'm they sure. really knocked off anybody that they shouldn't have? I don't know. Even with you know going back to Sam Howell, you know they've had a couple of really good quarterbacks in a row. Yeah, we might have to go back to like the first year or so of this recent run, you might be right. I don't, I, nothing's coming to my mind. Yeah. And all Shane Beamer did last year was beat Tennessee and then Clemson and back to back weeks. Mm-hmm. And before everybody poo poos that, right. And so they're like, Oh yeah, Tennessee, you know, hooker was hurt. Oh, okay. Let's talk about the Clemson game. Like Clemson's offense wasn't any good. That was Clemson's first home loss in what was that? Seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, as we talked about, they they hadn't lost an ACC game at home since 2017 and yeah, and yeah I think that was yeah first home loss since then yeah so I guess five years yeah I I uh, I just named you two Shane gets his teams ready man I was gonna I say mean, he, I don't think that he's some schematic genius but those guys love playing for him and you know they will go to hell and back for Shane Beamer and. <laughs> Seems like half the time that's enough. Like that'll get the job done on a Saturday. He's gotten South Carolina in his two seasons there. He's gotten South Carolina into a Duke's Mayo Bowl that they won, which mm-hmm. is a a good which is a good bowl game if you're a team like South Carolina that has not been good in a while. Got them into a good bowl game and won, and then they were very competitive against Notre Dame last year in the Gator Bowl for most of that. They were um, very game in that game. It, Yes, against a Notre Dame team that really improved. Like I know Notre Dame lost some games last year. Marshall, Stanford, they were in a weird game with Cal early in the year, right? Um, but they won, yeah. right? Uh, but they got better throughout the year, mm-hmm. and that was a Notre Dame team going into that bowl game. I think a lot of people expected just like going there, beat South Carolina. South Carolina was game there. 
So Shane gets his teams ready. He's had an entire offseason to prepare. And I'm struggling to just remember when Mac Brown has just kind of answered the bell in his second tenure here at Carolina in a big game. And maybe there's one out there that's like blatant that we're not thinking of, but I don't think so. I think South Carolina wins and give me over 64 in this game. I think this yeah. is like 35-31, something like that. Yeah, I just don't I don't think this is getting into the 40s. No. Uh, 30s, I've read though. some predictions that way, but I, I could see it in the 30s for sure. Yeah, yep. South Carolina outright for me. Yeah, I'm there. Mike, other games on Saturday. At noon on the ACC Network, the Boston College Eagles hosting the Northern Illinois Huskies. Boston College, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Total is 52. Speaking of numbers that spook me a little bit, like, Boston College should be better than Northern Illinois, right? Like, we should be okay laying single digits with Boston College in this game, I think. Yeah, and I'm seeing some numbers out there where it's been bet down to nine. Like, I don't know, man. What do they know that we don't? I don't know, man. Uh, I'm. I think you feel kind of opposite of how I do about Boston College. I think Boston College is going to be pretty bad. I know they have a softer non-conference schedule. I think BC has a chance to be pretty bad. Um, they got to win this game. Like, they got to win it for bowl eligibility. The ACC schedule is kind of rough. Um, non con's not. You, can, you know, if you get through this game especially, I think you feel better about the rest of the non-con. They got Holy Cross, which is not going to be a very easy game. They got some tough ones on there. Uh, you got to get past Northern Illinois here. And I just don't know about this line. Seeing that it's been bet down, too. Like, we see nine and a half, seeing a nine out there, seeing the numbers start to go in northern Illinois' direction. If this was around eight, eight and a half, I'm feeling a lot better about BC. Nine, nine and a half is tough. Like, that's a tough, tough game to bet. I am not of the mindset. Not sure you are either, for what it's worth, the way you kind of framed the question to start, but I'm not sure that we are both necessarily game with laying and with BC <laughs> double feel like they should just win by double digits. I I think that should happen, but I'm not a hundred percent positive. I think I'm I think I'm going Northern Illinois here, uh plus the nine or nine and a half, I guess. And uh I don't really know why I mean I don't really know why. I wish I had a better answer for you. It just seems that's the way this thing's trending and you bet the numbers, not the teams. So I'm going Northern <laughs> Illinois. Mike the Sharp over here. Um, Hardly. <laughs> Northern went, Northern Illinois went three and nine last year. They're Mike, not good. I mean, they're not nine, good. Their nine losses were by three, ten, eight, six in double overtime, 20, seven, 13, six, and 32. So they lost three games by double digits? Yeah, basically. And by the way, the, the eight-point loss was to Kentucky. The 10-point loss was to <laughs> Vanderbilt. So yeah, I feel better about in, my pick. Back-to-back weeks in September, they 
you had games within 10 points against SEC teams, uh, for what that's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, Northern Illinois, I think the most recent game that I have seen Northern Illinois play, um, they took on a Power 5 team at Bobby Dodd Stadium at historic Hyundai Field uh, in Atlanta and, and beat... Duly minted. <laughs> and beat Jeff Collins' Yellow Jackets 22-21. Uh, week one of 2021, and I, you know, famously wrote an article after that, predicting the demise of Georgia Tech as, you know, or Jeff Collins as Georgia Tech's head coach. Um, you talked me into it, Mike. Give me Northern Illinois plus the nine and a half. Um, I, I think we should probably respect this team. I, again, last year they were three and nine, but almost nobody was able to beat them by a significant margin. Um, and I think that's worth something, especially for a Boston College team. I think we have some questions about again. I mean, you still you get Emmett Moorhead back as kind of your returning starter. He he started most of your games last year, I guess. So um, I, I think Boston College. I think Boston College wins this game. Um, I hope they cover this number. It would be good for them, good for the league, you know, from an optics standpoint. But um, Northern Illinois, at the very least, seems like they're going to be game here. And, and kind of keep this competitive, you know, through most of it, and if not all the way to the end. So, I guess give me the Huskies plus the nine and a half. And um, but I, th- I do think Boston College wins this game. So I think it's you know seven or less or so that they win this by. Yeah. Um, total fifty two. Probably no under. No opinion. I, probably under. If I have to pick anything, I'll take the under. But yep. yeah, I'm not interested in betting this game in any direction. No. Curious to see how it goes. I that's yeah I, a couple of these games I'm just kind of curious to see how it goes Miami game that we talked about earlier is one of them uh this Northern Illinois Boston College game is one of them like these games that are out there pitting these P5 game P5 teams against G5 teams or whatever the hell we're going to be called heading into 2024 uh I have some questions about how these teams are going to look from a competent standpoint. And lo and behold, Joey, we have another P5, G5 matchup we're about to preview. So speaking of games, I'm curious to see how they go. At 8 o'clock on the ACC Network, the Old Dominion Monarchs on the road in Blacksburg taking on your Virginia Tech Hokies, Mike. The Hokies are a 16-point favorite. Total is 50-and-a-half. And, I, you know, I see this, and I think about it, and I ask myself, didn't Old Dominion win this game last year on the field? To which then I asked myself, why is Virginia Tech more than a two-touchdown favorite here? Like, what happened to Old Dominion in the time since then? Am I missing something? Why are the Hokies laying 16 here? Old Dominion's entire team transferred. That's a good start. Uh, their best offensive player now plays for Virginia Tech. He's their starting wide receiver, Allie Jennings. That that helps the Hokies. It does. Uh, pre preseason All Conference wide receiver Allie Jennings now plays for Virginia Tech, not Old Dominion. He cooked Virginia Tech in the fourth quarter last year. Cooked them. I mean, just a, a key reason why Old Dominion won the game. And now he plays for the good guys. Hope he doesn't cook so, Virginia Tech in the fourth quarter this year. I hope he does not cook Virginia Tech in the fourth quarter this year. It, I have seen my fair share of games in which Virginia Tech decides in the opener that they're going to lay an egg thanks to turnovers. I'm hoping this is not reference? one of them. That's uh, It's not, but it could be. <laughs> I, <laughs> I am 
I can't believe I'm saying this. I am laying the 16 with Virginia Whoa. Tech. I can't believe I'm saying this Whoa. after what we saw out of Virginia Tech's offense last year. But Old Dominion lost so much to the transfer portal. Virginia Tech has upgraded offensively significantly at the skill positions. And Virginia Tech returns their entire defense, essentially, except for Dax Hollifield. Uh this is a game in which I think Old Dominion is going to have a hard time scoring points. That's kind of where I fall here. I don't think it's going to be the spectacular game from Virginia Tech's offense where they're going to just light up the scoreboard and score 35, 40 points. I don't think that's going to be the case here. But, you know, the total is 50 and a half, right? That Mm -hmm. seems high to me. I think this could be like 35, 14, and that would get you that would get Just you almost almost all the way to the total and that's a that's you know 21 instead of 16 right in terms of the spread i could see that here this is one of two games on virginia tech schedule where i think they have a very very high probability of winning i can't believe i'm saying this because of what i saw last year but it's this game and it's uva at the end of the year so uh, I'm laying him with the Hokies. Old Dominion is... Uh, <laughs> they're bad. If Virginia Tech loses this game, man, it's going to be like a two or three win season. they they got to win this game, and I think they are the much better team here. Not going to be able to say that most of the year, but I think in this spot, they are the much, much better team than Old Dominion. So, so, so Mike, so just to, re- just to review here. Yes. We, we are not very hot on laying double digits in week one. We, we did not want to lay double digits with NC State against UConn. And we did not want to lay double digits with the Hurricanes against the Red Hawks. But we do want to lay double digits with the Hokies against the Monarchs. Is that, is that, am what? I hearing that right? Am I understanding this right? <laughs> What an idiot! Oh, what a loser! That sound courtesy of fellow Virginia Tech alumnus, producer Scott, by the way. This is a lot, this says a lot more about the state of Old Dominion than the state of Virginia Tech, is what I will say. (laughs) Okay. That's what I will say. Okay. Okies by three scores. Scott, I'll take the Monarchs plus the 16. Um, I. I have no analysis here other than I saw that game last year. I have seen the Hokies. As I mentioned, I have no idea what happened to Old Dominion that made them a 16-point underdog in this game. I just told you. I just told you. And Mike made fantastic points that explained it very well. But I just – I will not ask any questions. I'm just taking the Monarchs here. I will take 16 points. Against the Hokies. I am sure as hell not playing 16 with Virginia Tech against an FBS team right now. That's for sure. Uh, We will see how that all turns out. Um, Maybe I will look foolish on Sunday Night Fever. But for now, I will just take the the Monarchs. Uh, I do do like what you're saying. 50 and a half, I'll take the under. Because I think probably the best thing in this game by far is going to be the Virginia Tech defense. Is that fair? Yeah, I'm, I'm much more in on the total than I am in on anything else here. This is, this is an under game for me. Okay, perfect. With, with, some, con- with some confidence. Yes, I have, Scott. Two, I have two cents on the Hokies and what might be a 60-point line. It's all the things that Mike said, plus it's 
a night game in Blacksburg, first game of the year. Everyone's going to be excited, and ODU's never played there at night, I don't believe. So that's maybe why. And I'll mention this, too, for what it's worth. Like, I I tend to think, I don't know that much about Brent Pry, but I don't think that he is going to blink at an opportunity to, like, get the fan base going a little bit and, you know, get them excited. So I... I certainly understand it from that that aspect. Is they're not going to call off the dogs, you know, up ten in the third quarter or anything like that. Like, nah, he's running. He's running this thing up if he can. Mm-hmm. This is th- the reason why he's running this thing up. It has nothing to do with disrespect to Old Dominion, but but Pry's whole thing is recruiting the state of Virginia, and this is a seven five seven team, right from Newport News. This is the kind of game you want to win with some confidence. So you get guys like Ali Jennings, who started his career, right? He's a Virginia Beach native, started his career at West Virginia, then transferred to ODU. Um, Pry is trying to keep those guys home from the get-go and keep them from going to a school like ODU, obviously, right? Um, these kids from that area that are, you know, some of the very talented kids that decide that they want to stay close to home and play at ODU, he's trying to get those kids out of there into Blacksburg like they used to. This is an important game, and it seems silly because ODU is ODU from a brand standpoint, but this is an important game for recruiting. So I I completely understand how that could be the case, especially with the way that last year's game went. Like do not do not lose this game again. Don't they've lost this game twice in five years. Like yeah. this happened in, in twenty eighteen as well. So I I advocated on the preview like we need to give Brent Pry this year and probably at least two more, I would think based on you know his plan and what they've been doing. But this is the kind of game that if they lose it again at mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. You, you might, uh, you questions. might kneecap the whole thing a little bit. Questions. Yep. You got questions. Yep. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. A couple other Saturday games, Mike. Uh, 3.30 on the ACC Network v. Wofford Terriers on the road, taking on the Pitt Panthers. Again, we don't have a spread here, FCS matchup. Uh, first game for Phil Dracovic at Pitt. Mm-hmm. Uh, first game with uh, – or hold on. was I think Frank Cignetti Jr. was at Pitt last year. So there is some continuity there. But the uh, the reuniting of that pair, that's the first game for, for those two. Yeah. Uh, two things. I want to see who emerges in the Pittsburgh receiving core. I want to see who's going to carry the ball uh, for the majority of the time. Pitt's offense now that Izzy Panic Candid graduated. And then I want to see how Phil Dracovic looks because he's been pretty underwhelming when he's been healthy the last couple seasons. So mm-hmm. yeah. I have questions about Pitt's offense. I have no questions about Pittsburgh's defense. That's the only thing I'm going to be watching out for in this game. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Four o'clock on ESPN Plus. Is it? Is this the Jefferson Pilot special game of the week? Shout out to John Swafford. We'll no. find it. Is we'll find one? it. Don't worry. We'll find it. <laughs> we might have to come back to that one. Uh Colgate, the the Gators. I don't know what their what their mascot is. Uh, the, on Raiders. The, road the Raiders. The, uh, the Raiders. <laughs> the Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders. Yes, they're, they're on Gators, the road though. at the uh, the 
venue formerly known as the uh, the Carrier Dome. They're taking on the Syracuse Orange. Uh, again, don't have a spread here. Uh, Syracuse, I, I expect, will roll easily here. Um, this is not the kind of game that they have had issues with in recent years. So whatever whatever I think of Syracuse, I, just stay healthy, win this game easy, get Garrett Schrader out of there by the middle of the third quarter, and let's move on. The only thing I'm looking at here is the run-pass ratio here because, like, <laughs> Schrader threw it 51 times in the bowl game with Jason back, the new OC. What's the run-pass ratio here? Because, I mean, he's obviously not going to throw the ball 50 times against Colgate. But are they going to be more pass-heavy now? Like, is that going to be their thing? Post-Sean Tucker, are they going to have Schrader just air it out? Like, I don't think that's his strength. So, it's, Yeah, I mean, he's not a guy you want standing back there throwing 30, 35, 40 passes a game from the pocket. But as we've talked about, right. like it's it, there's a bit of a catch-22 there. Of like You also don't want to run him that much and risk injuring him, right? right. And he's he has taken a lot of hits in his career. So, like, that's that's the thing that, especially this game, I almost don't even know if you can use this game to gauge what is the offensive scheme moving forward because this is the game that there is no benefit to running Garrett Schrader 20 times, right? I like, agree. Yeah, I agree. So, I, curious to see what this game even looks like. Again, the whole goal here, win easy, don't get your guys hurt, get out of here healthy and move on. Yep. Fair enough. Let's move on to Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, bloody Sunday. Uh, 7.30 p.m. on ABC in front of the world, Mike. The number five LSU Tigers in Orlando taking on the number eight Florida State Seminoles. LSU a two-and-a-half point favorite in this game. The total is 58. Uh, Mike, these two teams, obviously, they played last year. We remember that. That was a It was a wild game. Florida State wins 24-23 on a missed extra point from LSU in the final minute of that game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, both of these teams, I think, were drastically better by the end of the year than they were when they played a year ago. Do you see the same result happening, Florida State winning, or does LSU get one back this year? I think LSU, I, I would feel better about LSU in this game if Mason Smith was playing. Like, you, <laughs> you lose a really, really good interior defensive lineman. And I just don't know if LSU is really going to get home the way that they want to, right, against Florida State's offensive line, which is really funny to say because, you know, Florida State had those years and years of rebuilding post-Jimbo, even during the Jimbo Fisher era post-national championship where they were trying to fix that offensive line. That offensive line now has become a strength of their roster. James Coleman was talking to us about that on the preview. Like the offensive line is expected to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think losing Mason Smith in the middle, like a difference maker, an all SEC type player who won't be playing in this game, I think that's pretty significant. I think it's significant in a game where it's going to be a coin flip and you're going to have to have one difference maker make a play and one of your biggest difference makers on defense is not going to be in the game. So. I've been flip-flopping on this all week. I think I'm actually going to go with Florida State. And I do think it's going to be outright. I do think it's going to be very close. Uh, I do think it's going to be similar to last year. I don't think the way that the game plays out is going to be like last year with the the blocked field goals and everything else. But I do think it'll be a close game. I do think some wild wild moments will happen. Uh, But I think Florida State is, is in a spot where 
you know, it's make or break time for Norvell, right? This is one of those games where, you know, if you're Florida State under Mike Norvell, like you need a signature win real bad. And I think the doubters of Florida State are coming into this year saying, well, they won a bunch of games last year by single digits. Like, are we sure that they're really as good as advertised? Good way to indicate that is to beat a team that wins the SEC West last year, right? That wasn't nearly as good when you played them at the beginning of the year as they were at the end of the year. Now they have Jaden Daniels back and, you know, they're returning a ton of offensive production outside of Kayshawn Boutte. Like they got guys all over the field, deep running back room, really good offense. LSU, I think, is going to be a lot more like the team they were towards the end of last year than the beginning of last year under Brian Kelly. And Brian Kelly always has his team ready to play. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the the Mason Smith uh, suspension is why I am going with Florida State, even though I think I do trust Brian Kelly in a big game spot more than I trust Mike Norvell. So it's a tough game. It's a coin flip. I don't say this with a lot of confidence, but I think I am going to go with Florida State here close. I I have a hard time here because I know that we just yesterday, a couple days ago, talked with our buddy Tony Siracusa and did our whole preview. And I, I explained to everybody how I was using a whole cohesive theory to uh, explain my predictions for the entire ACC season. And my my theory was that this is Florida State's year, right? Like that they are going to have a good year, go you know probably 12-1, and one, win the ACC, beat Clemson in Death Valley, Jordan Travis going to the Heisman ceremony, the whole thing, right? Like I am, I am shamelessly in on Florida State this year. And I think I might be picking LSU to win this game. There I it think, is. I think, I think this might be the one in the 12 and one that I'm picking to kind of sm- slightly plagiarize a uh, wrestling catchphrase that, you know, has, it was from previous years. Um, I, so I, I think that uh, it was – I think Bud Elliott, who, you know, obviously national college football guy, recruiting guy, and, and a huge Florida State guy and alumnus, um, I think he put it best saying he thinks that Florida State is playoff good, not national championship good. And that is something that I, I heard that, and it has really resonated with me the whole time, is that I think if, if Florida State goes 12-1, and one, I do think that they're in the playoff. And I think they are good enough to make the playoff. And with that record, you know, with the schedule and everything, I, I think that that is a playoff resume. I I have my reservations on are they good enough to win a national championship? And I think this is the game you see them go up against LSU that I think the roster is a half step better. Mike, you alluded to Brian Kelly being a, a more experienced, more well-defined head coach than Mike Norvell. I think there's a, just a couple details here where I think LSU is probably a better team in this game than Florida State. And I think this is where you see Florida State's ceiling is a little bit lower than we have seen it in prior years. I don't know that it's, it's I don't know that we've seen their ceiling any higher than this since we've been doing this podcast. But I think you go back to 2013, you know, they win the national title. That team had a higher ceiling than this one does. Yes. So that's where I'm coming from here. I think I'm going to pick LSU to win this game. I I just I guess I'll lay the two and a half. Anything inside of a field goal, that's fine. Um, but I 
that's the way I'm approaching this is I think, I think LSU, there's a good chance that they are national championship. Good. I think Florida state is just like a half step below that. I, I really believe in them through the rest of the schedule. This is the one spot. I think this is the hardest game they play all year. I think this is a tougher game than the game against Clemson here in a few weeks. So I, oh. that's where I'm going to take LSU to win this game. You've talked me out of it. I'm going with Uh-oh. LSU as well. You've talked me Uh-oh. out of it. You've talked me out of it. You talked me out of it. I'm going with LSU as well. I can't wow. have the entire thing. I can't have the entire thing predicated on a defensive tackle being out. If I really believe Brian Kelly's a better coach, than Mike Norvell. Yeah. With Brian similar Kelly. rosters, similar rosters, better coach. Does an All SEC defensive lineman not playing matter? Yes. Does it matter as much as like what we saw out of LSU through the SEC schedule last year versus what we saw out of Florida State, kind of like narrowly escaping some of their ACC games? Like, uh, yeah, I, I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind. I was on the fence about it anyway, so whatever. I will say, I think as a college quarterback, I think I'll take Jordan Travis over Jaden Daniels. Probably. That's worth. Probably. But it's it's not enough of a margin that I think it you know I, I don't think it invalidates the rest of it that we've talked about. So and Daniels got a lot better last year as the season went along after mm-hmm. having a pretty good career at Arizona State before he got to LSU. So mm-hmm. well, and Kelly, I mean, pretty pretty good track record of having above average quarterback play, or at least developing them to that level. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I mean. I wouldn't go so far as to say, you know, consistently elite quarterback play. I don't think it's been that. But put some respect on Ian Book's name, <laughs> goddammit. I mean, I think he got the most out of Ian Book that he could have. He I'll did. Probably, he absolutely he absolutely did. He absolutely <laughs> did. Fair enough. Uh 58. That's one of the highest totals on the board under, this weekend. Under under. I can't you think. Yeah. Under. Yeah. I think I think these defenses, yeah, I agree. I think I agree with you. Defenses are good enough that'll keep this out of the thirties, right? I mean, somebody wins this twenty eight, twenty four, something like that. Are, like, were you inferring that you believe LSU is national championship good? I, yeah, I mean, I think if you if you're gonna pick half a dozen teams that are actually legit capable of winning a four team playoff. You know, mm-hmm. getting there and winning it in January. Mm-hmm. I think LSU has to be in that half a dozen. I mean, I think they could certainly win the SEC. So at that point, I mean, at that point, at that point, you are. T- yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> who else? I, I, right? I think Flor- I think Florida State is in that group of like somewhere in that seven to ten range. I don't. I don't think Florida State is in that that group of six that could win a national championship. I think that they would lose somewhere in that playoff before they hold a trophy at the end of and at the end of all of it. Yeah, and from a continuity standpoint, I hate doing this because you were just talking about how you know our picks be damned. But <laughs> I see Florida State kind of like what you were saying about hey, maybe they're playoff good, not national championship good. I probably see them as like a half step lower than you see them, where I think they're like a two loss team. So, like, show me the two. Is it going to be two in the regular season? Or is it going to be one in the regular season, one in the conference championship, right? So, I think with that in mind, where are those losses in in conference play? You know, maybe Clemson, but then who else, right, if they do get past LSU? 
I don't know. This is, this game's going to tell us, I think, more about Florida State than it is about LSU, to be honest yeah. with you. Because LSU, I mean, LSU can lose this game, right? And they can run through their, if they roll through the SEC schedule, the conference is good enough that, you know, they'll they'll make it in. They'll be there. I th- They'll be there. I think the same is probably true for Florida State. But I think you lose the margin for error at the end of the year in the conference championship game if you lose this game. Well, and and as you say, I mean, if if Florida State loses two games this year Mm -hmm. and one of those losses is to somebody not named LSU or Clemson, Mm -hmm. we will be leading off a recap show asking what the hell happened. Like, right. And they're out anyway at that point. They're out. They're they're not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If it if it's to anyone other than these two teams, they're probably out of the playoff discussion anyway. Yeah. They play LSU. They play Clemson. And we project them to play Clemson a second time. And right. if they lose a, a second game outside of that, you know, stretch of three, we will be beside ourselves wondering how this happened. Like they, they should mm-hmm. be able to win the other games on their schedule without a question. Should be. Don't sleep on those Hokies in Tallahassee. Scott and I had a great time down there a few years ago. <laughs> different, much different, much different circumstances for both teams. By the way, I say, well, and that one, I don't know if that was about winning as much as uh, you know not losing, but I don't know. That, yeah, sounds like a fun tailgate. So for oh. what that's worth. <laughs> Shout out James. Shout out James, baby. Yep. Shout out James. Hey, James. Let's go to Monday, Mike. Last one, eight o'clock, ESPN Labor Day night. The number nine Clemson Tigers on the road in the Hornets Nest, known as Wallace Wade Stadium. Mike, d- does Clemson just walk into Wallace Wade Stadium and cover just twelve and a half points? Against the nobody, Duke Blue Devils? Nobody walks in the Wallace Wade Stadium and just covers 12 and a half points, Joey. Nobody does check that. This line. Are we sure that's the right number? Hold on. I've seen 12 and a half, and I've seen 13. Inside of two touchdowns? What am I missing here, by the way? Like, no disrespect to Duke, but, like, it's Clemson. Like, Offensive competence a year ago that was present with the home team and not present with the road team. I think is what you're seeing. My issue, though, in this game is that I know Duke has Jalen Calhoun. I know Riley Leonard had a good year last year. I get it. I really do. I get it. But Clemson's front <laughs> Give me seven. Give me the butt. But Clemson's front seven is going to physically overwhelm Duke's offensive line in this game, I think, aren't they? Like, and yes. Duke's, offensive line is fi- Duke's offensive line is fine. Solid? Yeah. The- Solid. This is uh, this is not the worst offensive line that Clemson is going to play, right? And that's not me, you know, dismissing Duke. This is all about Clemson's front here. Their front seven is really, really good. And they have, like, all Americans in the front seven. Duke doesn't have all Americans up front. Mm-mm. I don't think they can block Clemson for four quarters, Joey. I really have trouble seeing how – I think some mistakes are going to be made offensively by Duke in this game. I think that's how Clemson gets their separation. This mm-hmm. is totally separate from the discussion of what's Garrett Riley going to look like as the offensive coordinator? What's the scheme going to look like? What's Cade Klubnick going to look like? Is it going to be what it was under Streeter, or is it going to be better like we all assume? Is it all going to come together in game one? Because we've had these conversations tonight, Joey. We've had these conversations about other first-year coaching situations and – First year offense situation, you know, situations with new coaches and like, what's it going to look like in the first game of the year? I have those questions here too, but 
I have more questions about how is how the hell is Duke going to block Clemson's front seven for four quarters? Mm-hmm. I don't see it. That's how Clemson gets the separation in this game. Offense, even if they start slow, I think the offense will be good enough. And I do think the Clemson's defense is going to create a lot of issues for Duke up front trying to block. Riley Leonard's good. Jalen Calhoun's good. Duke's got some playmakers on the outside. Nothing that Clemson hasn't seen before. I like the Tigers to cover here. If Duke keeps this game inside of 10 points, probably a hell of a coaching job, once again, by Mike Elko and that coaching staff. Um, Agree. Uh, By the way, uh, Joey, not to cut you off, but Clemson, lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. The the floor is yours, Joey. I mean, I was just over here hoping you were going to forget to lock it up so I could get to it first. uh, Because, yeah, give give me Clemson minus 12 and a half. Lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. I think you make a really good point about the Clemson defense, Mike, is that the chance that they could create a defensive score or something to gain some separation here. Short field. I see something like 27 to 10. Like, I don't know that Clemson has to score 100 points to, to cover nope. this at all. Um, and nope. as we mentioned, again, new coordinator situation, kind of some you know recombobulating things. Duke, well-coached team, not going to beat themselves for the most part. Right, right. But I just – you know, as good as Duke was last year, they were they were pretty good in close games. You know, the record might have inflated what we thought of them a little bit, just objectively. I think Clemson, I think Clemson should roll here. I am, I'm a little bit weirded out by this number being inside of two touchdowns. I'm more weirded out about the total being fifty five and a half. Fifty five and a half. That's a hell of a lot of points. That's I, a I lot of points. I'm, I'm yeah. weirded out. I'm weirded out enough that I'm not going to lock up the under, but I will take the under. Yeah, I'm. I'm weirded out as well. So yeah. let's just play that one smart. Lean under. Uh, thirty. I could see like. I could see thirty-five ten. I could see like thirty-five seventeen. I think Clemson could get into the thirties. Yeah. I don't know if Duke gets into the twenties, which is what this total's inferring. Like I don't. Nope. Nope. We're gonna look like idiots recapping this game and like Clemson wins like 17 14 or you know whatever it is uh, this is one of those numbers I'm, I'm like this makes no sense at all so I'm sure totally. it'll, go, it'll go great it'll go great totally Mike uh, you know I would say that that finalizes all the games we have to preview but I I just looked at our schedule we actually have one more that we have to uh, take a look at do you, you want to uh, dive in real quick let's go to the Mac baby because at noon on the CBS Sports Network, our Bowling Green Falcons on the road in Lynchburg, Virginia, taking on the Liberty Flames. Bowling Green, a mere nine-and-a-half-point underdog in this spot. Game one for Jamie Chadwell leading uh, the Liberty Flames, not the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, for what that's worth. Uh, give me Liberty or, or death. Uh Liberty. <laughs> Liberty. You know, one day we're not going to have to talk about Bowling Green when uh, uh, Scott Leffler is no longer their head coach, but somehow this has gone on for so long. He's still coaching there. Brian Van Gorder, long since gone. He is no longer the defensive coordinator at Bowling Green. I think he's at a high school somewhere like in Alabama or something. I was going to say, my my guy, I'm pretty sure, is teaching P.E. in Alabama. (laughs) And somehow Scott Leffler is still coaching Bowling Green. Soundboard? Anything? Nothing? No? Nothing? No? Man. Dead? 
There it is. Yeah, there it is for the Falcon sound for uh, our boy Scott Leffler. Mike Scott Leffler. Scott Leffler's been at Bowling Green for so long that Virginia Tech fans forget how bad he was as their <laughs> offensive coordinator. That's how long he's been at Bowling Green. Even long enough that Boston College fans have forgotten how bad he was as their offensive coordinator. Oh dear God, I forgot about that. <laughs> Go ACC to our guy Scott Leffler. Mike, that's all I got on week one games. Should we recap our locks real quick? Let's recap them. You and I have some similar locks. Once again, uh, numbers are large and uncomfortable this week, so be very careful with what you're doing with your actual bank accounts. Uh, Producer Scott, keep me honest here. I think the only locks that we have on the board are both Mike and I taking Tennessee minus the 28 against Virginia and both of us taking Clemson minus the 12.5 against Duke. Did I miss anything, or is that all? I believe that is correct. Uh, That's all I recorded when I was observing. All right. Well, if there's no no objections from anyone else here, uh, you know, you guys – Drop it in the comments on YouTube if, uh, if if you heard a lock somewhere that we did not mention here. I don't think it would you be did, news to us. You know, yeah, would be news would to be, us. Would be news to us. Um, we you know we we've talked about a, a segment or a, a concept for this season regarding you know actual actual bets that we will make, but I don't. I think it's kind of half baked enough. I don't know that we want to fully unveil that here, Mike. So. Maybe, you know, we wait for a week where we haven't done, like, nine previews in four days, and uh, then we talk about what that's going to look like. How's that sound? I I agree with that. But, you know, if I were to be placing a bet or two this weekend, it would be on Tennessee, and it would definitely be on Clemson. Theoretically, of course. Agreed. I don't Agreed. care. I'm a sicko. Thank you, <laughs> Scott, for that sound. Forgot about that. Forgot about that sound. Man, the soundboard is is a uh, gift that keeps on giving. I just keep forgetting what all the things are on there. This is a great relearning process. I love it. It is. It is, although I will say I'm not sure we're going to be able to drop the Virginia is awesome too much this year. So, (laughs) yeah, running out of opportunities for that one. Um, Yeah. You know, unfortunately for you, Mike, because I know you love hearing yourself say that. I do. As possible. And as you get, yeah, you guys reminded me of it as well. Yeah. Virginia is awesome. There so it just is. Just a reminder. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. Nailed it. Perfect. Mike, anything else before we get out of here? Go watch some week one games. I'm excited about these games. So I don't have anything else to add here. Just excited to watch them. I, I am as well. Been a long off season, but, uh, you know, excited to actually get to actual football. And uh, maybe on the recap, we'll talk about Stanford, Cal, and SMU joining the ACC, but you know, who's to say just, just hypothetically, Yep. hypothetically, let's get out of here. Let's watch some games. Uh, if you guys want to watch those games along with us and, and get our commentary as they go along, you can follow us on Twitter at FTRS Joey at Mike McDaniel, SI at BC podcast, ACC at Severus Snipes. Producer Scott, is that right? Yeah, it's a long joke. Uh, don't worry <laughs> about following me. Uh, be sure to tune in Sunday evening here live we'll post the link live on twitter Mm -hmm. as well as that you'll get a youtube notification if you like and subscribe so like and subscribe most importantly subscribe uh to to the live stream um and if we get on a little early we might even just talk through the fourth quarter of the game Mm -hmm. need some live commentary as florida state and lsu wrap it up from orlando we'll be here we maybe i don't know can't promise anything but you know might be the only way you'll know again, follow us on Twitter and subscribe on YouTube. We, we would love that if you did. So come find us there. 
Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We have an email address. Send your questions, comments, concerns. The longest email address in demand, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. We're starting the season off on a high note. Uh, we got a question in from listener Keith Derrick that we uh, did not address yet on tonight's show. We will do that very, very soon. So, Keith, thank you for sending that in. We appreciate it. We will talk to you very soon about that one. It was a good question, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Mike, where else are we on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find some of our podcasts there. Instagram at BC Podcast ACC. YouTube, 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 YouTube. YouTube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Hit the bell icon for more. And we'll see you in the next video. Uh, I guess this is what it says. Uh, been a good comment section, by the way. So thoughts you have on any games that we picked here, whatever you want to do. We're, we're trying to build a community out there a little bit in the comments on YouTube. So hit us up with your thoughts on anything we've said here that you uh, you disagree with, agree with, whatever it might be. Yep. Uh, yeah, we, also we on, yeah, also on Spotify, we have the interactive mm-hmm. questions. So if you're a follower on Spotify, uh, which we've seen those followers grow up over the preview season, you can mm-hmm. respond to some of the questions that we post, and we can get your feedback too. Every one of the team preview episodes we had on Spotify, there's a, a question for you to provide your feedback. What is your record prediction for that team this fall? So go go hit us up there if you uh, if you have a chance and you want to. That would be great. We'd appreciate that. Mike, Scott, that's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here? See you Sunday. See you Sunday. Sunday night fever until you know the kids get involved and you know, something has to be rescheduled. But for oh, now, right, Sunday night fever. Right. Be there or be square. Mike, Scott, enjoy the games. We will talk then. Yep. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, Mr. Producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again very, very soon. Enjoy the games. And until then, go ACC.